Yeah, he, he, like, if you look at him, there's a place to put a tie. You know where the tie goes. Yes. Hey there, folks over at CommanderCast.com and MTGCast.com. It's time for another episode of Rivals Duel, the show where Noel and I are going to talk about magic cards, and I'm going to forget about the fact that I'm buried in a blizzard outside. Uh, I, uh, you have that, I've had the, like, wacky, like, weather changes every 30 minutes day. Oh, okay. <clears throat> like, I had, so let me walk you through my last couple days. Saturday, we, uh, I woke up and it was, like, 50 degrees. Went to my card shop to play game day, and all of a sudden we look outside, and it's not snowing lightly, it's pouring down snow. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, so we had that, we then, most of that, we got about, I think it was two or three inches of snow from that afternoon. Sunday was, like, cold and nasty what's supposed to be in the middle of February. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, Monday, uh, Monday during the day it got nice, like, it rained a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, like was up to about mid 40s until that night where it snowed and we got three inches of snow. Mm-hmm. And then it was, you know, kind of gradually heated up yesterday, and it's supposed to be almost 60 today. Yeah. So our uh, we have had a very very mild winter in uh, in Ottawa this year, and the snow from the entire winter decided to stop by all at once yesterday. <laughs> and I ended up on a four hour blizzard adventure. I'll run through it quickly. And if you guys don't want to hear my unrelated snow story, just skip ahead in the podcast five minutes. But, uh, my girlfriend texts me asking me to go to her place and walk the dog, uh, which I decide to do. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, do I go to the gym before or do I go to the gym after? And I decide to go to the gym after. This ends up being a very, very good decision on my part. I go and I walk him. And my dog is about, uh, he's 100 pounds of white floofiness. He's a great Pyrenees. So in the massive blizzard, it just kind of looks like I'm walking a ghost. I'm just, I'm walking along beside this hovering leash attached to something invisible. Uh, we walk through about a foot of snow, and this is like, it has already been plowed, and it has fallen again, and it, there is a foot of snow. Um, I get back to the house, and I'm soaked up to my knees. I let the dog in, and I think about uh, shoveling their driveway, and I decide I'm not going to do it, because I don't know where, how it is where you are, Noel, but in uh, Ottawa, or Ontario at least, it is a um, landlord's job to ensure snow removal. And she's renting, so I'm just like, okay, the landlord will take care of it. But at that moment, her roommate chooses to arrive home, and she's like, oh yeah, I was about to shovel the snow. I look at her roommate, and I look at me, who is already soaked and probably at least 60 pounds heavier than her. And I'm just like, you know what, I will go shovel the snow. It's fine, I'm already soaked and miserable, I'll have an easier time of it than you, don't worry about it. I go out, and I shovel the snow. Takes me about 15 minutes. I Then I start heading home. It is a hour and a half walk back to my place under the best of conditions, but I decide I'm going to do that anyway because waiting for a bus was not going to be possible. There was people lined up waiting for buses that weren't showing up. 
Uh, on my way home, I ended up carrying the str- uh, stroller through the snow for a lady because she was struggling with it against these massive snowbanks and could not do it. I got home and then I shoveled my entire driveway and uh, like parking lot because I figured my roommates would do it if I didn't. And I was already miserable and couldn't feel my feet. So why subject anyone else to that? And that's the story of how my <laughs> my going to walk the dog turned out to be four hours in a blizzard. Huh. Yes. It was like you could have started watching the extended version of Return of the King before I left. And you would have been like, you would have gotten through all six to nine of its endings by the time I was back in the house. Hmm. Yeah, sounds like it. Welcome to Canada. Right? <laughs> anyway. Welcome to Weathercast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On to magic affairs. We do have a lot of uh, news and announcements and stuff to talk about. But before we do, uh, we have some emails. Uh, we got an email and a comment of two people just basically saying, yes, Jorkadine players exist. Which makes a lot of sense because I think he's one of the better Boros generals. But as Noel, uh, as Noel pointed out, that says more for Boros generals right now than it does for his actual card quality. Sure, and and let me let me clarify so that those two people don't get super angry. Jorkadine is probably fine. Like he's the butt of a lot of my jokes. Is he's especially if you played a lot of, uh, like, for, uh, Scars of Mirrodin Block Limited. He's kind of a he's kind of a weird card in that format, so I have my my opinions are thoroughly tainted by them. But as a general, he's actually very strong. Yeah, I he's, think he's he's probably fine. Like yeah, he's an anthem. Yeah, he's he's not he's probably not bad. Anyway, uh, and you got another email, didn't you, Noel? Yeah, my email is more fun. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, this is from Sam, and it says, First off, thanks to both Eric and you for making Rivals Duel. It's something I look forward to every other week. Your content is head and shoulders above the rest of regular EDH podcasts. When I listen to you guys, I can actually tell you're both experienced players talking to other experienced players. You know what you do, and you do it well. Aww. Yay! <laughs> Yay! That, by the way, if you want your podcast, if you want your email read on the air, that's how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that we're thoroughly buttered up, too. Yep. Uh, lately, I've been in a little bit of an EDH slump. I've built a couple decks that I enjoy but don't truly love and feel like every time I start I start to enjoy a commander, something happens to take the joy out of it. I think the biggest issue is that the things I like, parenthesis, playing blue, drawing cards, and casting artifacts, are generally not conductive to interactive gameplay. What I'm looking for is a recommendation. I've brewed and torn up apart so many decks and just can't really find one that suits me. If I had a single request, it would be that I want a deck that is as fun to play against as it is to play. I like the game being fun, otherwise there's no point. If, you, if the deck can exist that can fit that description, be blue and like artifacts, and I'll be happy. What are your thoughts? I know it's sort of an open-ended request, but at this point, I think I really need is some kind of outside suggestion having worked myself into a corner deck building. Thanks so much, Sam. And then he says his current decks are Darien, a tribal soldier, fun, and one he keeps around as a favorite. Uh, Marin, that was an adaption of Liliana and is quickly getting uh, stale, and Shuyun for really quick games. And then he sent me a link that doesn't work to all the other decks he's tried. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, the, the first piece of advice I'm going to give is that he, he's he got a, a good solid base of what he, he likes to do, which is... So before I'm a- answering his actual question, I have a recommendation, and that is... Y- you seem, Sam, to know that you like playing blue, drawing a bunch of cards, 
and uh, and playing artifacts. So one thing I like to do if I find myself in a slump and, I, and I'm just looking to kind of force some creativity is I will try to take something that I know I like doing it and do it with a color that is not traditional for doing that. So, like, I will take... If I really like my Perforos deck, but I feel like I'm getting a little stale with it, I will try to do Group Burn with Mono Black. I know it's not as good at, at it as Red, but it is... It will allows me a bit more creativity, and I, I kind of become unpredictable with it. And it, uh, it just lets me kind of stretch my deck building skills a bit. Plus... Mono black is still a couple uh, color capable of pulling off that strategy, so I would recommend you take your mono blue artifact deck and try making an artifact deck using mono red or mono white because both of those can still do cool stuff with artifacts. Or make it like a multicolor thing, and just force yourself to just as an experiment give that a shot. But that, on to the actual question. Noel, do you think that you can be blue, have artifacts, and be interactive and fun? Yeah, so I have I have two suggestions for you. Um, cool. When, as I started to, to ponder this, like, there was a lot of, like, I, I went through a lot of, like, things I'm building right now, and, mm-hmm. like, right now my current list is uh, I'm building what I'm calling cards that make me happy dot deck. Yes. And it's just a five color, and I, as long as the card makes me go, ah, when I look at it, <laughs> then cool. it goes in the deck. Um, for you, and I was looking through, I admittedly looked through part of that pile to find these. The two that I can come up to recommend to you, uh, one of them is that send triplet stock has never been higher. That's true. Like, you could absolutely do some kind of fun artifact, some sub-theme in a send triplet stack. You get to, uh, um, you know, if, if that going into your opponent's, uh, hand and stuff like that, there's that too, but... Yeah, it makes the games a little bit more unpredictable because you're playing with your opponent's stuff and the new the new colorless uh or the new color generation rules in Commander would make the deck a lot better. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a that the stock for that card has never been higher, um but mm-hmm. it might be a fun one to try. Uh the other one surprisingly this works really well especially if you're into artifact creatures would be Animar. Okay, yep. I see where you're going with this. Yeah, I mean, you, you have the, the ability, like, a lot of people do this with Eldrazi, but you just do as easily do it with artifact creatures, of being able to, because Animar reduces their overcosted costs, to um, play dudes with Animar um, and kind of just cycle through stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. It probably wouldn't be as artifact-centric as maybe you'd like, but, you know, you have a lot of options, and, it's, and the fact that Animar is more dude-based kind of forces the game to be a little bit more interactive with your opponents. Absolutely. Um, I have a mono blue suggestion for you, actually. Eric's making a mono blue suggestion. Gasp! Right. Um, the seventh seal has been opened. <laughs> <laughs> the apocalypse dragon is coming. <laughs> no. Um, if if you want to stick with mono blue and you want to be able to draw a bunch of cards and do shenanigans with artifacts and you're looking for a less traditional way to do it in a way that doesn't scream combo super loud. Feta Adele Acquisitor yeah! is a really strong blue general, really non-traditional. Um, it is definitely interactive because, one, you're taking your opponent's artifacts from their deck, so your like good artifacts are entirely based on what your opponents are running. It also means that every time you sit down to a multiplayer uh, table with decks that you haven't seen before, every game is going to be different. Every game you're going to be like... I wonder what's in their deck. I wonder what's in their deck. Um, if you're slow at tutoring decks, you will really piss off your opponents, so get very fast at sleeving through people's decks quickly. Um, but it is 
it's interactive. It has to attack on a not super strong body. So there is, you have to work in the evasion and stuff like that, or you have to turn your opponent's lands into islands. Um, it is, and it's strong. It's really good. You can look up some lists online to get inspiration, but Theta Adele, I can attest to being a very powerful general. And in the worst case scenario, you can just take your opponent's mana rocks and use them to cast a massive blue sun zenith. So that that's the general I'd recommend. Yeah, that's actually, that is one of my favorite EDH decks, period. I have this deck, I've had it put together for years, and it's one of my favorites, because she likes to go into other people's decks and steal their soul rings, and that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. It takes stuff from your opponent's deck, so it's effectively, like, it's taking away, it's not removal, but it's taking away their tutor targets. Um, it is a non-traditional blue deck, and the biggest thing, again, is that because your game change, your game plan changes entirely based on what's in your opponent's deck, every game is different, and that's a really good way to keep a deck from getting stale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's our advice. Theta Adele, Send Triplets, and uh, Animar are yeah. cool, non-traditional uh, ways to go about it. Mm-hmm. All righty. So I hope that helps. Follow us up if you have any other questions, or if all of those were in your... your The link you sent me took me right to deckbox.com, so I couldn't see what other deck you built, so hopefully you hadn't already done all of these already. <laughs> mm-hmm. That would that would be unfortunate, but that's okay. Um, Moving on, we've got a bunch of announcements don't we know? Yeah, we had a lot of news, which is cool. That means more fun stuff for us to play with. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is that Innistrad spoilers haven't really started, but they have been leaked. Yeah, it has not been Watsy's year for leaks. Yeah, we'll get more to that later. But uh, yeah, no, it has not been uh, a good time for Watsy. We can, there's nothing really in the leaks for us to talk about, except that we can confirm that werewolves are back. Yeah, we we know uh, we know possibly my favorite like pun based name in Uninvited Geist. Um, I hate you. I, that's a real card. That's not me. Uh, I hate how much you love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, there's uh, um, so there's uh, there's you know we've got a, a look at some of the mechanics. There's a card type matters theme. There's a. Yep. Uh, what else is in there? Madness is returning, which... Yeah, card type matters is kind of Tarmogoyf effect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Madness is back, which is a super cool mechanic. I love Madness. Uh, my only my only scary part about Madness is that Madness can get real messy rules-wise. As long as oh. they don't print, like, Stifle or Trickbind at the same time... Then it's fine, yeah. Then it's fine, but... Please, for the love of God, if you want to, if you want to make your L one, your local judge's head explode, stifle a madness trigger. Jesus. Uh, okay, explain to me how that works, Noel. Because here's the thing: is madness is actually two different triggers. You mm-hmm. have you have one that says, uh, or it is a, I'm sorry, it's a, uh, it's a replacement effect and then a trigger, and it basically says if the the first one is if you would discard it, exile it instead, or you may exile it instead. Okay. The second one is that is the trigger that says if this card has been exiled due to discard and is in the exile zone, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. It's how it's how the rules have to be written so the card actually works. Okay. The problem is if you stifle a madness trigger, yes, it gets stuck in exile. Oh, okay. And it's one of those super unintuitive things. Okay. In that that card most players will never put it in exile. They'll go I'm, gotcha. dis- I'm discarding it, move it directly to the stack, you know, cast yeah. it for madness. And that's what happens 99% of the time. 
But if you stifle it, then your judge has to be aware enough to realize that that card ends up in exile because of the stifle. Exile because of how the Manus trigger works. All right. Now, now, admittedly, this is how Madness works currently. This is part of a small subset of rules that are icky. Yes. Like, there's just a couple that do, like, weird things that that Watsi has kind of fixed on and off now. Like, they fixed Convoke, which was a weird one. They fixed, uh, uh, you know, Replicate is a weird one. Um, mm. There's some other ones like that. Yeah. Well... Hopefully, uh, no one will be running trickbind against these uh, these madness triggers. I don't imagine we'll see any effect like that printed in. Uh, yeah, in I'm. Shadows he, over Innistrad. Here's the thing: is think, that with planeswalkers, I don't think they'll ever reprint Stifle. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, do you think that we're gonna see another uh, or a Snapcaster reprint? Um, if not in Shadows, in this other set we're gonna talk about. Yes, and that brings us to our next announcement. Uh, the sequel to Shadows Over Innistrad has been announced, and it is called Eldritch Moon. Yeah, it has a very pink-looking picture of Liliana. Yep, it's got uh, Liliana raising a bunch of dead, and the name is Eldritch Moon, which has led to a lot of uh, conjecture and speculation by flavor people, uh, which I feel I need to bring up for for reasons that will become clear. Um, so I tell you, Noel, that the set is called Eldritch Moon. What does that tell you about the story of this set? It, it makes it sound like when I hear the word Eldritch, my brain goes to like the Cthulhu mythos. Yes. Which makes me go, did they just put Emrakul on Innistrad? And I go, I hope not. Like there's enough See, cool stuff going on on that plane already that they don't need Emrakul to okay. show up. So I'm going to I'm, I'm going to explain to you a couple things. For I don't think Emrakul is on Innistrad. I don't believe that's the case. I uh, <laughs> I'm I'm going to start with that. The uh, but Shadows over Innistrad sounds very 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 much like the Shadow over Innsmouth, which is a H.P. Lovecraft Cthulhu mythos story. Um, and then Eldritch Moon. The word Eldritch is very much an H.P. Lovecraft thing. Uh, so it sounds like there is some big evil related to the moon. And if you paid attention to old Innistrad flavor, that it kind of makes a bit of sense because the Hell Vault was supposed to be a chunk of the moon. Innistrad, or on Innistrad, is believed that the, the moon is made out of silver and that the Hell Vault, which is a ch- hunk of pure silver, is like a, a chunk of the moon that fell, and they were able to contain a bunch of demons in it. So it sounds like there's some Cthulhu-like horror that is contained inside the moon that will be trying to get out, because it makes sense. Giant thing, big evil, it's contained by a massive prison of silver. Does everything I'm saying make sense to you now? Yeah, that could be the thing. The reason why <laughs> I needed to bring this up is because that also sounded almost exactly like the plot to Bloodborne, which came out, like, last year or the year before. The entire point of Bloodborne is that it is a Dark Souls-like action game, and it was, it, it was big when it came out, about... And it was... These people are known for making classic fantasy games, but it came out, and it was a very Lovecraft kind of horror game instead, still with lots of action, and it turns out that your the big final boss is a Cthulhu-like horror that was contained on the moon called the Moon Presence. So, I, it's just a little bit 
samey to me. <laughs> Could be. If that's true, that's a very valid point. I yeah. do love... So, I will admit, I read spoilers as soon as they come out. I loved the... There's definitely some things that white could be the bad color on Innistrad. Uh, yes. Uh, either white is the bad co- color, or Nahiri has changed her mind about what color she's using. Right, because there's that wonderful, like... Flavor uh, text. Yeah, with... It's like, as, uh... Um, as I have cried, so will Sorin, as Nazendikar burned, so will Innistrad. Yeah. No, we are definitely going to find out... Uh, and there's also some references... To uh, Markov Manor, and like a, a secret hidden by Sorin, it seems, uh, and Jace is, that Jace is investigating. So it seems that there is a big secret. Sorin did something very bad that pissed off Nahiri to the point that she's out for blood and she's burning an entire plane to get it. Right? This will be... I am, I am excited to see what they do with this. I'm excited to see a new Nahiri, and I hope that she is red-associated. Because she's on a red card. Yeah, that's true. Like, her flavor text is on a red card, so... And her her abilities always seemed like they could be kind of reddish. They well, She related to equipment, but, like, artifacts are also a red thing. So I'm kind of I'm kind of wondering if we're going to get, like, a Boros Nahiri or just a red-aligned Nahiri. Yeah. We shall see. Yeah, it should be really interesting. Um, it's been a long time since we had a Boros... Uh, We've only ever had one. It's a Johnny Vengeant, yeah. Yeah, I was talking to a friend, and I also suggested, like, if she's just pure out for blood, gone crazy, it might be, if they're, like, showing corruption in her, it might be even be, like, a Rakdos Nahiri, and if that was the case, it would be our second Rakdos Walker. We've only ever had one Rakdos Walker, and we've only ever had one Boros Walker. Huh. And the Rakdos Walker is not that good. We need another one. Yeah, Sarkin the Mad. <laughs> fun, but not good. Yeah, f- fun, not good. Um... And then we've got uh, big news that everyone's talking about is another set announcement. Yeah, and this is where we also may see a Snapcaster reprint yep. um, in Eternal Masters. Mm-hmm. And this is designed to work similar to how Modern Masters worked, where it was, we're going to print a bunch of Modern staples and make it into a draft format. This is going to be a very similar thing. Yep. It surprises um, me there's no like big weekend for something like this. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why there isn't a big weekend thing for it. Um, the cards that have been spoiled so far are Force of Will and Wasteland, which are obviously cards that everyone is very happy to see get reprints. Sure, those are, and, and there's a lot of other things on that list that they can print that mm-hmm. they can they can use this to kill Imperial Recruiter, uh, Imperial Seal. Yes. Um, you know, I this, would love to see those reprinted. Yeah, like like this is a chance for them to Ravages of War. Uh, sure, Ravages. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones that are kind of in that vein that are, it's a chance for them to reprint. Now, they have said they will not reprint anything on the reserve list, which is sad, which means that the things that, like, the the thing that this is designed to do, which is help make Legacy more affordable, it flat out can't, but. Well, like, Force of Will is a Legacy staple. It will still make a lot of parts of Legacy more affordable. Sure. Um, like, but, Wasteland uh, is a $100 card. It hopefully won't be after this. And the fact that Wasteland is just a rare, not a mythic. Yeah. Will will hopefully help. If not, you know, this is this is also one of those sets that's great for... I call it the Kid, kid Collector crossover, where there's people like me who go, Gosh, that Force of Will is pretty, and I only own three. If I can get a fourth one, I'll get it. And then Kid opens it. Kid can trade a stack of stuff from me. Yeah. And I get my Force of Will. I reduce the size of my bulk rares. The kid gets a collection. So 
these are like these kind of things are good for magic. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that there's some pretty exciting stuff coming out. I'm super pumped to see what happens in Innistrad, even if it does end up being a ripoff of Bloodborne's story. I want to know what happens with Nahiri, and I'm also a huge Lovecraft fan, so I want to I want to know what terrible horror is contained in the moon. Why uh, is the moon eldritch? Me too. Like I am. It'll be a very interesting thing to see. Mm. And uh, I'm very excited for what's going to be available after the uh, this new. Eternal Masters thing comes out. God, I would love an Imperial Recruiter. I cannot express to you how much I would love an Imperial Recruiter. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So we should probably go ahead and hop into our na- now as we our actual show. Yeah, our baselessly speculating, uh, hopeful for things. Yeah. Now that now that we've talked about the now that we've done our best Crystal Ball impressions and looked to the future, what are we talking about today, Noel? Right. In uh, as many of you noticed in our last uh, set of show notes, we are now sponsored by Kozilek. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, not well. Yes, Mr. Kozilek, I'll get back to work. Um, but uh, we uh, You're not, not, not the kind of boss you want to get a coaching form from. Yeah. 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 No. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm, I want to see you in my office. Um, but now that we are 100% less uh, distorted and spoiler-free, um, we are doing today. We are doing another gauntlet, and we are doing what? What for those of you who have never didn't see our last one? Cause we've only done one of these before. Yeah. What the gauntlet is is when we have most of our um most of our arguments are one v one. Of this mm-hmm. card is better than this card. This card is you know more objectively powerful. Whatever parameters we set for our little arguments. This is more of a free-for-all. Absolutely. And then we take it a, the, Oh, go ahead. It is the Rivals Duel Brawl. Right. We are where we take a sub, a category of things and throw them kind of all in and see which one we think kind of floats to the top. Mm-hmm. And last time we did this with... Uh, it's funny, the last time we did this was kind of colorless, too, because it was with Artifact uh, Generals. Yes. But you realize we didn't put do Memnarch in that? Anyway... Um, Memnark isn't really an artifact general. Yeah, it's a combo engine. But uh, this time we are doing colorless commanders. Yes. Which consists of we now we we did kind of purposely lay out it is just colorless. This isn't like like I said, Bosch is red, Memnark's blue. Mm-hmm. Like we are looking at just the uh, until Waste came out, I didn't have basic lands to put in this deck. Commanders. Exactly. We are looking at the absolutely no colors anywhere on the card. Um, you can't play colored mana in the deck. The, 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 the idea that just building a deck around these guys would be a challenge because your card pool is so near non-existent. Sure. In, in com- well, not to say that colorless cards are non-existent. In comparison to every other deck. Yes. Your card pool is non-existent. Yeah, your card pool is much smaller. Um, that being said, these these colorless decks can be incredibly powerful. Like absolutely, one of these decks built right is a force to be reckoned with. I would argue that at least two of these decks built right. Uh, I've seen three of these decks do really well. So we will talk about that now because it turns out that if you're looking at pure colorless uh, generals, there's only five. Yep, there are. Five, we have Old Kozilek, New Kozilek, we have Old Ulamog and New Ulamog, and we mm-hmm. have Karn Silver Golem. Exactly. And Emrakul gets to sit on the bench and watch. <laughs> and Emrakul, if you did, if you wanted to play in the big leagues, you shouldn't have taken so many steroids. 
Right, yeah. Like, and and just, it is a brief opinion of Rivals Duel that Emrakul on the band list is good for the format. Absolutely. When you when you talk about, like, I'm sure that we'll have a band list episode sometime soon. And if, if we if we did, we'd, like, just go through, which card should be taken off the band list? Emrakul's the first one that's like, no, it stays on. Uh. It absolutely. Uh, Emrakul and Coalition Victory. <laughs> Yeah, I was just say there's 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 ones that I hate more than Emrakul, but like they're like the ones that are format of of the ones that aren't just flat out format busting. Yeah, like those are probably like Emrakul is probably the first one of those that stays on. Yeah. So uh, now let us start with the gauntlet. Who do you want to talk about first? So Who do we want to. Uh, Sing their praises and and expose their weaknesses for the world to see. Should should we get the I'm playing in the wrong weight class one out of the way? Uh, sure. Okay. Karn Silver Golem came out in 1999. It's an old card. <laughs> and at the time, it was a good card. It even like when it was the only colorless commander option, it was okay. Yes, it, it was. Um, it, it has still... a big butt. It turns things into creatures. <laughs> It still is okay. I will say that. Um, it, it It is a deck that is a combo engine uh, without a lot of tutors, so it's inconsistent. Uh, however, it, it does have a couple of problems. One of the problems is that it has been basically supplanted by Sidri, who has the same relevant one of these abilities. Sure. Like it, it, and then you have access to colored spells. Like, yeah, exactly. And a bunch of artifact tutors. And removal. <laughs> yeah, like, it gets so much better. Other than, admittedly, your uh, your All is Dust is probably much better in Karn. <laughs> that, that is absolutely fair. Um, there is another problem with Karn, in that even when the deck does go off, the big mean thing it does is that it turns all your opponent's lands into creatures that immediately die. And it's hard to for the rest of the table to celebrate your inconsistent deck going off when you just killed all their lands and they still have to keep playing the game. You don't actually kill anyone when you go off with a Karn deck. You murder their mana base, which is kind of a dick move, says the former Yoira player. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh... Yeah, there's the, 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 the payoff with Karn just isn't there. Yeah, it's, uh, you don't get to win a lot, and when you do, you kind of need to take a shower afterwards. Yeah, um, on a scale of 1 to 10, it gets, uh, uh, 4? I don't think, no, I disagree. I think it's it's better than that. I don't think this is a bad card. Um, the fact that it's been outclassed and has another card printed that is better than that does not make this initial card bad. It's... A 4-4 for 5 mana that gets 8 to defense when you're using it to block. You can't use it to attack unless you put a lot of equipment on it. But, like, I'd give it a 6 or a 7, if I'm if I'm being honest. I don't like, have... it's still a unique and cool card. Sure, and I, I don't have it that high because I feel like the the payoff for it... Because you are, you are sacrificing a lot by playing a colorless deck. And mm. for me, on this guy, the payoff isn't there. That That is fair. However, uh, I will say that, like, there is a lot of novelty value to him, and there's a lot of kind of... Karn kind of gets nostalgia points, not just for being an old card, but for being an old and extremely important character. Sure. From a lot of players. So I, I, I would not advise someone making a Karn deck, 
but I still think that the card itself is relatively good. Oh, sure. It's just, yeah. It, it's unstable. <laughs> and it's and it's pretty outclassed. Like as far as the yeah. the boom the the payoff is so much higher with all these other ones. That's because Karn isn't an Ultrazi. This is true. But let's uh shall we head into him? Let's uh yeah, let's head into the the big tentacled guys. Um do we want to talk about the old ones first or the new ones first? Eh, pick one. Uh, let's talk about the new ones first, then. Sure. New Lamog and New Kozilek. New Lamog. Oh, you... I didn't right, call let's... it that first. <laughs> let's talk about New Lamog. New Lamog. All right. New uh... Lamog, the Ceaseless Hunger. He's 10 mana for a 10-10. When you cast it, you exile two permanents. He's indestructible, and whenever he attacks, the de- defending player exiles the top 20 cards of his or her library. That's an ugly list of abilities. Yes, it is. Um, you know, being able to just when you cast it and not ha- not another battlefield trigger is is both kind mm. of a blessing and a curse. Like it keeps you from like getting cheeky with this card. Yeah, there's no like nasty blink stuff you can do. Sure, which in colorless costs a bajillion mana, but mm-hmm. um, it also keeps you from like Riptide Replicator or whatever, or not Riptide Replicator, but um. Cloning it in yeah. some manner. Mimic that does not sure. work. Um, but all, like, I like, like, you can deal with the two biggest problems on the board. And whether that's problems for just you or problems for the table. Mm. I, um, yeah, this guy's big and powerful. He, he also, he has that lethal power regardless of what your opponent is controlling because he mills them. And he mills them to death in five hits. Which is like realistically, he's probably gonna mill him to death in four. I was gonna say he's pro he's probably four. If that's if they have the chump blockers, yeah. You know he's he's ten power, which it, <laughs> you kind of wish it was eleven, but you realize it doesn't need to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he's very very big. He's very very strong. Um, the fact that this has a like I can't just like this doesn't have evasion, but it doesn't mm. matter. Yes, that's true. Because it's indestructible, too. They can't just pile a bunch of stuff in front of it to kill him. Uh-huh. All that being said, I think he is the weakest of all the Eldrazi we're going to talk about. Really? Really. Huh. Double Vindicate is super, super powerful, don't get me wrong. But he he's either the weakest or he's tied for weakest. Okay. Um, I think you place a higher value on Annihilator than I do. <laughs> Uh, oh, oh yes, I place a high value on <laughs> Annihilator. Like, I, I do too, but for for me, the nice part about this is this gives you, like, there's other Eldraz, like, some of the other Eldraz you've got can get, like, oh, well, I guess there's only really one that can get stuck in the, it's kind of stuck in the boiler works, but, mm. um, I actually, I think I, well, I don't know, these four are all really tough, like, yes. it's hard to rank these, so, um, I'm gonna say, by, that being said, this card is good, like, mm. 10 of 10 would play. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, you could pick any of the following Eldrazi for your, like... And the Eldrazi deck all kind of looks the same. It's basically just colorless ramp. Yeah. Like Lots you're... of colorless ramp, a little bit of stuff to mess with your opponent, and then you get whatever card you want, uh, or whatever big Eldrazi threat, and you want to win the game with that. Um, Ulamog is cool because of the fact that even though your opponents can basically endlessly block him because they he has no evasion, uh, he does get the double um, the double vindicate, which is super good, better than vindicate because it exiles, and he still has the finishing power regardless 
because of his ability to uh, mill your opponent, which is cool. Sure. I think that this Ulamog is a great choice if you are looking for a... If your meta is full of, like, single big threats. Yeah. Like, like if, you're, if, you're, if your format is full of just haymakers, this is probably the best choice. Because then a two pieces of spot removal on your general becomes a lot more relevant. Sure. It is worth noting that this guy is slightly harder to intentionally kill unless you have a sack outlet because of his indestructibility, which is relevant on the Eldrazi because of their cast triggers. Sure. Uh, do we want to talk about uh, the boss, New Kozilek? Yeah, let's talk about New Kozilek. New Kozilek costs 8 and 2 uh, dedicated colorless mana to cast, so a total of 10. He's a 12-12, so he's a 2-hit general. Yeah, like that. Uh, when you cast him... You have fewer than if you have fewer than uh, seven cards in hand, you draw cards equal to the dis, uh, difference. He has evasion. He has menace, and he has discard a card with converted mana cost X. Counter target spell with converted mana cost X. This is a lot of powerful abilities. <laughs> yeah. That being said, like okay, the odds of for for in I've seen this play in like limited and in standard. And it's fine, because you're likely to have the numbers that you're looking for. Okay. But to me, like, the the curve is so spread out with Commander. That's true. That it's it's odds of, you know, I really need, do I have a 7, a 4, a 6, and an 8 in my hand right now? I don't the... know if I have a 7, a 4, a 6, and an 8. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. I think this guy is better than Nulamog. Uh Really? I think this guy is better than Nulamog without looking at the counter ability. Like, oh. even with, like, if this card was printed without the counter ability, I think he's better than Nulamog. So the fact that that counter is there as just the occasional thing or something you could bluff with is enough of a bonus for me that, uh, like, I don't even care. It's just, it's like, if it, it, it's one of those things that I'm never, ever going to count on that counter ability, and it's not going to be relevant until the one game where it is when I get to counter something and my opponent is just, like, flipping the table because I happen to have a card with the right converted mana cost. Yeah, I think I'm having a stroke. Because really? Because you like the one that draws cards and I like the one that blows stuff up. Absolutely. <laughs> like, this and is this is what an aneurysm feels like. Okay. <laughs> it, here's the thing. In Colorless, there are a lot of super cool ways to blow stuff up. You have uh, Brittle Effigy, you have uh, Oblivion, uh, or Oblivion Stone, you have uh, All is Dust. There's a lot of uh, Karn, Ugin, I could sit here and list like ten things that blow stuff up in Scour from Existence, sure. Exactly. But trying to draw cards in Colorless is a lot more difficult. (laughs) So the fact that your general is able to replenish your hand on the Eldrazi is actually hugely relevant. Sure. And and in fairness, this is the most straightforward linear probably of any of these. Because yes. you're going to dump your hand trying to ramp and then recast your general and refill your hand. Like this this card, the game plan for this card is printed on it. <laughs> yes. And th- we have seen in the past that that is a super powerful strategy, regardless of color. Uh, any deck that allows you to completely dump your hand in ramp and then replace the uh, cards that you lost is huge. The um, the biggest deck that reminds me of that that comes to mind is uh, Prime Speaker Zagana, who is terrifying. 
Or Maelstrom Wanderer, who is also like in the same vein, dump your hand, cast him, and get value that makes it irrelevant that you dumped your hand. Sure. The one thing I will say is even though this has Menace, this is the one most likely to get kind of caught in the gears. Like, if I'm if I'm playing a token stack or I'm playing something that can stay ahead of it... Absolutely. Yeah, like, I, I, I know what you're saying. The uh, he, he does not have the lethal potential except for that evasion. Yeah, like, like, Menace is cool, but it's really easy for me to put double chumps in the way while I can dig for an answer for this. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, I would agree with that. Uh, I think you have to run away to give him some kind of evasion, uh, better evasion, or trample, or something along those lines, uh, in order to help kind of get him over the hill. Because he lacks Ulamog's, uh, Nulamog's mill ability or Annihilator, him attacking, if he gets blocked, does not much. Right. He's the one who... is. It's the easiest to... I can put two squirrels in front of him, and... Yeah, exactly. You can't do that with the next guys, though. No, you cannot. Well, you gotta have a lot of... You have to have the ability to make a lot of squirrels. <laughs> yeah, Prosh would have difficulty keeping up, right. eventually. <laughs> um... I think uh, we'll go in the same order, and we'll talk about Old Ulamog. Right. Old Ulamog, Ulamog the, infa- the Infinite Gyre. Yes. Ulamog, the Infinite Gyros. Uh, I want to make sure I pull it up so that I don't screw up this card. Oh, I can list it off. I'm looking at it right now. Go ahead. Uh, Ulamog, the Infinite Gyre, costs 11, so I, I believe that is, yeah, one more than his uh, new counterpart. Uh, he's a 10-10 still. He's still indestructible. When you cast Ulamog, uh, the Infinite Gyre, you only destroy, and you destroy a single permanent instead of getting double value. But that's okay, because he has Annihilator 4. He also has the old Aldrazi uh, trigger on it, which is when it's put into a graveyard from anywhere, its owner shuffles his or her graveyard into his or her library. True. With the new, uh, and with the new Gone Forever Be the Tuck rule... This is yeah. actually okay, because you can let it hit the yard, trigger, and then when it would go from the yard to the library, exile. You get to put it back into your, uh, you put it into exile, uh, into the command zone, and you get to put all of your deck back together. Right. Which is cool. Especially in a colorless deck, because being able to have a bunch of stuff dumped in the yard, you probably aren't going to be using your graveyard very much in colorless. So having that shuffle back in to sure. kind of thin out your deck of lands is a cool thing. Well, that and put all the bullets back in the gun, because... Yeah, like, exactly. There's there's some, some of these, like... Like, you mentioned a bunch of removal, but, like, board wipes, you've got three. <laughs> board wipes, you've got Olus Dust, Ugin, Oblivion Stone, uh, Nevenero's Disc... Okay, I guess you have a couple more than three. But like I said, putting all the bullets back in the gun... Is a big deal. Yeah. This is uh, this deck is very ramp and removal heavy. <laughs> yes. And if this is and and honestly, if you're looking for this is gonna sound terrible, Eldrazi Aggro, mm. this might be the best one. Why do you say that? Because you've got because first of all, you're going to, you can just massacre somebody's board position. Mm-hmm. You've got something that's indestructible, so you can play. Um, you know, you've got the ability to play like you can go. Uh, you know. O stone, this Nevin's disc, this whatever. Yep. Um, Ugin and all his dust also don't hit it. Yeah, like there's just this one, and then you have this, and, and if that deals with a lot of stuff, an annihilator will deal with the rest. Mm-hmm. Like this is probably the most like if I want to punch my opponent in the face with an Eldrazi, this is the one most likely to reach out and touch someone. 
or yep. put me in a position to be able to reach out and touch someone. The combination of Indestructible and Annihilator 4 is extremely unpleasant. And I don't understand why you don't place a higher value on Annihilator. I think it is the most broken keyword that oh, has no, ever been Oh, no, no, I, I, I do too. <laughs> I just, uh, I really like the fact that old or new Lamog, when it gets caught in the gears, mm-hmm. can, like, its solution is not damage-based. Like I've That's had, fair. I've had people do. Uh, what was the? I, I've seen people kind of like cheat around this card in a couple different ways, but you can't cheat around having no library. Yep, that's that's uh, that is a fair point. Uh, Nulamog has the most unavoidable win condition. That being said, it, it still takes a while. It's yeah. four to five hits. Yeah, uh, Un- unavoidable might be the wrong word. Inevitable might be the right inevitable. Word. Yes, that that's a good uh, that's a better word for it. But um, yeah, Ulamog is. Annihilator is the scariest ability I've ever had to deal with. Like, I've dealt with people carving my library to pieces, and if I still have a board, I can find a way to win before they kill me. That's That's my solution to someone who's carving my board to pieces. But, like, if I had my Prosh deck, I'm still scared of Annihilator, and that says a lot, because Prosh has a whole lot of disposable permanence. Sure. Uh, it's just, it's so overwhelming. Someone hits you once with Annihilator, and you've gotten rid of basically all your superfluous stuff. They hit you twice, and you're starting to hurt. And when you're staring down the barrel of, like, the third hit, you're just like, I cannot foresee a way to recover from getting hit again. Yeah, you have you have lost greatly at that point. Yeah, so I I fear Annihilator, and for that reason I think Ulamog the Infinite Gyre is the second best of these guys we're listing today. Okay, I would I would almost put the, I don't know how I feel about it. like again my opinions are hard to vary. Let's go ahead and talk about Kozlik and see if we can make up my mind. Kozlik Butcher of Truth. I just want to say that between all of these titles, Ceaseless Hunger's pretty scary. Infinite Gyre and the Great Distortion are kind of boring, but the Butcher of Truth. Man, put that on your resume. <laughs> right? Like this is I spent four years as the Butcher of Truth. Well, uh, you're hired, and also stay away from me. Yeah. I love, there's a there's a show called Leverage, and yes. they go against this person called the Butcher of Kiev. Okay, yes. And they literally just go, and there's one guy who's kind of a smart aleck on the group goes, this is the Butcher of Kiev. Have you been to Kiev? The cake <laughs> baker of Kiev could beat all of us, and we're going up against the Butcher. <laughs> I've seen this show, I've seen that episode, actually. Yeah, that's, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah, just... Butcher has such a, a powerful sound to it. <laughs> it. It's it's all because of old school Diablo. Where everyone everyone remembers the first boss in old school Diablo you'd meet was the butcher, and he'd just go fresh meat and run across you, and you're just like, what the hell is that? Thing? And then you'd be dead. Right. So I don't think any of us got over that initial trauma. Sure. I'm thinking of gangs in New York to the build the butcher. Um, oh yeah, no. It's if someone has the title of butcher, they are not someone to be messed with. Right. Even if it's but, like Olaf the butcher at the Jewish uh, delicatessen down the road. Like, yeah, I, I, I would not try and steal uh, sausage from Olaf. Right. Don't, don't, <laughs> Olaf will chase you down. Yeah, you're, you're imagining like the meat cleaver with the hole in it too. Like that's yeah, exactly. that's what I'm seeing. <laughs> um, but uh, Kozlik is more than just a pretty name. He has uh, ten to cast, so he's actually much cheaper than. Uh, or no, he's the same price as his new one. Yep. So, but just a little bit less specific. So, is there the only one that costs more ten is Nulamog or old Ulamog? Okay. Right. Um, when you cast him, you draw a set four cards. 
So you could potentially draw less than you would with Cosmic the Great Distortion if you have... But in order to draw more with the Great Distortion, you have to have only two cards in hand. Cosmic allows you to still have cards in your hand and still draw. Mm-hmm. Um, then he has Annihilator 4, which we've discussed is incredibly unpleasant. And he has the other ability, when he dies, you shuffle him into your library. Or you sh- uh, when he you know, hits the graveyard, that person shuffles their graveyard into their library and starts again. Yeah, so this is also, like, a, a very solid good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this much better than New Kozilek. Okay, why is that? Um, because you've got, first of all, you can go over the top, you can go over your uh, hand limit. Yep. Like, I feel like if you're draw, don't get me wrong, like, being able to draw five, six, or seven on New Kozilek is cool. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, four cards is enough. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, I also like the fact that this, uh, that this has Annihilator, this has a way of grinding through people, like... I can get through your blockers with Annihilator 4. Mm-hmm. Versus New Co- New Cause, like, really has the problem of getting caught in the gears. Like, yeah, with like, the menace. Yeah, he just can't. <laughs> like, there's no way I can keep up with... Because I'm losing five guys a turn, four to Annihilator and one to block. Mm-hmm. There's nothing I can do to keep up with that. It has the way to put the bullets back in the gun. This is one of my favorites. Uh, I agree. It is probably the one I rank number one. It is, uh, I have the, the benefit of hindsight. I have never made this deck myself, mm-hmm. but I did see someone make the dedicated, before the new Eldrazi came out, I saw someone make the dedicated um, Eldrazi ramp deck, and they ran Ulamog, and they ran Kozilek, and they, they did both, and they came back with the feedback that uh, Kozilek was the better choice, because drawing co- being able to refill your hand was far more relevant most of the time than just having the ability to um, destroy something. Sure, I, I agree, definitely. I, I agree that it's more better than old Ulamog. I don't know, like, I really like Nulamog because two threats is a lot, and it has that inevitability. Yeah, Nulamog is definitely powerful. Like, Nulamog is probably my number... I don't know if this is my number one or Nulamog is my number one, but this also has 12. Like, this is two hits, which may push it over the top for me. Two hits, uh, the difference between two hits and three hits is huge. Yeah. That is a big difference. And it's got the Annihilator attached to it, which is hard to oversell. Yeah. Annihilator is so scary. Yeah, this is this card's real good. So here is my question to you. We, I think we were basically in agreement that Old Cosmic is probably the best one. Sure. If you were to make the colorless... Uh, Eldrazi ramp deck tomorrow, knowing that you run all four of these guys in it anyway, which one do you make the commander? Um, I think it depends on my meta. Okay, if so my... no, I'm, I'm asking you, Noel. Tell me about your meta, and then tell me which one you pick. In my meta... Hmm. In my meta, depends... I have two different metas I'm thinking about. Let me, okay. let me start with that. In my In one of my metas... Playing old Kozilek is going to be much more intimidating, just because mm-hmm. the players are the players are for the most part newer. Okay. And this could definitely have some kind of intimidation factor, so I'm going to play the meta a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, like I really like drawing cards. <laughs> drawing cards, especially in colorless, is super yeah. powerful. Um. So probably in probably old Kozilek in one group. The other group, I probably play Nulamog because it's very haymakery based or very, you know, look at this threat I'm dropping. Now you have to deal with it. Okay, now I've dropped another threat. Well, this is a threat I can drop to, to 
two for one, or well, it's almost a three for one in that they have to, I get to kill two of the biggest things, scary things on the table, and I get to, um, and I now have something you have to deal with that's hard to deal with. Absolutely. So in one of my metas, it's Old Kozilek. In one of my metas, it's Nulamog. That's fair. Um, the thing that is worth pointing out about this deck is that you do get, when you make the giant Eldrazi deck, you do get all four of these, and you run all four in it. Um, oh, sure, absolutely. It is super cool because you can sit down. I always have my general in a different color sleeve. It's a common EDH hack, so you don't accidentally lose your general if he gets shuffled into your deck. You can just, like, boop, there he is. Like, if sure. you accidentally shuffle him yeah. in. Is what and I'm now, now that the tuck rule is gone, that's a There's no reason not to. Solid but, but with this deck, you can throw them all in the same color sleeve because there's very few decks that have backup creatures in it that you can just swap with your general and have no problem at all. If you have a Perforos deck, there's no other legendary red creature in that deck that can take the slot of Perforos. You don't want to do that. But with this, you could actually swap the general from game to game with no problems at all. Uh-huh. And that makes it kind of cool. Uh, I'll be honest, I think, I, I know that if I do, if I'm making this deck, and I'm, now that we've talked about it, I really am tempted to do it. Right, all these kind of scratch and itch, I was looking at that Nia Walker's list, anyway, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really want to make this deck now that I'm talking about it, just now that I have basics that are colorless, um, and I think that I run either of the Coslicks as my lead, and I might change it up between games and stuff, but I think think that I'd actually run new Kozilek. Huh. Hear me out. I'm 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 all ears. I'm trying to just get maximum value out of all the guys in the deck. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Ulamog and Kozilek are both essentially unkillable unless they get exiled means that I'm kind I kind of have the pseudo commander rule attached to them as long as I can keep digging through my deck my general will allow me to keep digging through my deck. So I I like using new Kozlik because I feel like I get that, uh, that Eldrazi ability attached to a third Eldrazi Titan. I like having the surprise factor of that counterspell ability, and I like the ability to bluff with it, especially since I never play counterspells. So this is a kind of cool alternate and feels a lot fairer way for me to do that. Mm-hmm. It still has evasion, and it's a two-hit kill. So that's that's my reasons for why I would go with New Kozlik. However, if you disagreed with me and picked any of the other ones, I, I couldn't point at you and call you wrong. Yeah, really, you've got your, your kind of choice, kind of pick your poison. And, and again, like, your meta will dictate this. Your, none of these are, none of these are objectively wrong. Mm-hmm. With the exception of Karn. But, um... <laughs> Karn is a very different deck. <laughs> right. Now I'm now I'm are now I'm angering the Karn Silver Golem people. <laughs> yeah, the the four Karn Silver Golem players are going to come kick down your house. Oh man. <laughs> Fear them. Fear them. We were playing back in 1998. No. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh Why did I turn all those people into old people? Like they're they're yeah, not, like like I was playing during Urza Block. What am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> You're a self-hating senior citizen, though. Hey, Wrecking yeah. ID. <laughs> Get your new Eldrazi off of my lawn. Wrecking ID. Wrath of God killed Black Knight sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um... <laughs> 
I'm sorry, that's really funny. Um, okay, the, remember uh, that the first pro. Remember the little book. Like, have you ever seen like old like alpha yeah. beta starter decks with the little yeah, like thirteen page booklet? The unhelpful as shit booklet. Yeah, yeah I remember that. That was what the those were the rules for the first pro tour. Keep that in mind. Yep. Like we have come quite far. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think the winner of the gauntlet to me is old Koslik. But I'd rather play News Koslik, if that makes any sense. Yeah. He's like, also like that unpredictability, like not quite knowing how many cards you're gonna draw, not quite knowing whether you're gonna be able to counter something. That's fun. <laughs> fair enough. Like I would I, I I agree that the the if we're looking for objective power level, it's probably old Koslik. Mm. But for me I'm like, you know, I like the inevitability and the grind of Nulamog. So yep. I'll be over here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Nulamog is definitely good. These guys are all, like, deserving of the title yeah. of Eldrazi Titan. Yeah. They are scary. These cards are all good. <laughs> Honorary mention to Cousin It. <laughs> yeah. I also feel like I would get less... Li- I'm less likely to get slapped by my friends if I'm playing a general that doesn't have Annihilator. This is true. Like, the the wrath of, that you will face for slamming something with Annihilator is also something to consider. Exactly. Yeah. Like, attacking someone with a big 12-12 isn't so bad. Attacking someone with a big 12-12 and destroying four of their permanents is... is that's like the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just giving them a wedgie, stealing their lunch money, and then peeing on them while they're down. It's not very nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watches my giant tentacle monster insult your mother and yeah. stuff. <laughs> Just cause like is the he's not the butcher of truth, he's the disser of moms. <laughs> Alright. And uh that's our gauntlet for the week to uh, this week. If you folks have any suggestions for topic per episode, absolutely uh Send them to us by email or by comment. Noel, how can they reach you? Yeah, if you'd like to get a hold of me, my email is noelclausen, N-O-L-E-C-L-A-U-S-O-N, at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at at mtgnoel. Mm-hmm. And I'm Eric Bonvi, E-R-I-C-B-O-N-V-I-E, at gmail.com. Uh, at that Bonvi guy at Twitter, you can get a hold of me in the comments below on this episode on CommanderCast. Or uh, via email at, uh, or not uh, email, email, via the Facebook group at uh, facebook.com slash rivalstool. And if you are have a RFS feed catcher and wants to catch us directly, our RFS feed is feeds.feedburner.com slash rivalstool. Yep, and uh, I think that's all for today. We're going to go re- uh, restore our sanity and spend some time in the asylum after staring into the horrors that are the Eldrazi Titans. Uh, and go file quarterly paperwork with Kozilek. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Until then, uh, see you folks next time. Thanks for listening.